Hey, this is God's Comic, Brad Stein, and you're listening to Joe Taylor on Faith's Edge. Please listen or you're going to hell. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we all just showed our scars and quit trying to show our trophies? You don't help anybody by showing your trophies, but you help everybody by showing your scars because then they feel safe to show theirs. Well, hello. Thank you to Brad Stein for the introduction. Well, as to whether or not you're going to hell for not listening, uh, I wouldn't take that chance. Welcome to the 92nd episode of On Faith's Edge. My name is Joe Taylor, recovering atheist and your servant in Jesus Christ. This is your place to hear conversations about God and living a life of faith in Jesus Christ. If you want to contact me, I'm most active on Twitter at at 4JoeTaylor. That's F-O-R-J-O-E-T-A-Y-L-O-R. I have a great conversation coming up with singer, songwriter, author, and comedian, Mark Lowry. I love bringing you engaging conversations about faith. If this show entertains you, encourages you, informs you, or brings value to you in any way whatsoever, would you please consider financially backing the show? The best way to do that right now is to use any Amazon link at onfaithsedge.com, including in today's show notes. Uh, that's any Amazon link at onfaithsedge.com. We'll get a modest commission from the purchase, but it doesn't cost you a penny more. Singer-songwriter, author, and comedian Mark Lowry is best known for penning the lyrics to the Christmas classic, Mary Did You Know, and singing for the Grammy Award-winning Gaither Vocal Band for many, many years. I know Mark as a hilarious comedian and storyteller. He has entertained audiences since he was 11 years old, and as you'll hear, has a unique gift of communicating profound biblical truths through music, comedy, and storytelling. In today's episode, Mark shares why he calls himself a Christian agnostic, why we long to return to God, why it's important for Christians to be transparent, and the details of his new project, Dinner Conversations with Mark Lowry and Andrew Greer, and why their guests open up so freely. Well, about a year ago, I was actually thinking of possibly retiring, and because um, I'm 59, I've been doing this since 1980. I've never had a real job. Right out of college, I started traveling and singing in churches, and I thought, you know, maybe I've they've heard enough of me. And I thought, you know, I can retire. God has been very good to me, and I planned well and. And I, and I, if uh, apart from some major tragedy, I can make it to the grave without being a burden to anybody. That's always been one of my goals. And, um, and so I thought, but I still want to reach people. So I know that through Facebook Live, I can sit in my lazy boy at the house and do a Facebook Live uh, and reach 25, 30,000 people. Within a matter of hours, you know, the, mm-hmm. it just keeps building. And I thought, well, if the goal is to reach people, that's a lot more than I'll see in a, a weekend tour. Let's sit at the house. <laughs> and so I thought I, I called Andrew Greer and I just you don't even have to get dressed. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but the problem is we ended up doing a video uh, podcast. I should have thought ahead and just done audio then I wouldn't have to worry about that. But um, but I said, I, I called Andrew Greer, who interviewed me on C- for CCM Magazine 
interview thing. And he asked such great questions. And he's a young fellow. He's a millennial. So I thought that would be interesting. You know, another point of view. Because my two favorite things in the world are eating and talking. And having a conversation or a good conversation. And so I called him and said, would you be interested in joining with me and let's starting a little a podcast? And I was thinking we'd do it with our iPhones, you know, like I do my Facebook live. I'm, but but he took it to a whole new level and it's like a PBS broadcast and it, it's doing real good. We were, we entered in the top 10 on the religious and spiritual charts and they tell me that's real good and on the iTunes and uh, and it's, it's just fun. We've had Sandy Patty. She talked about blended families. We've had Point of Grace and we had a, a Bible discussion with them. And then they ha- we had Patsy Claremont, Anita Renfro and Jan Silvius who are touring together. And we talked about fear and friendship. And then we had Ken Davis and Shonda Pierce and. Uh, just uh, and we'll continue to do this, I guess, as long as people are interested in watching. But I do love them. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. You just mentioned arguably some of the some of the biggest names in Christian entertainment, and they're sharing intimate topics, uh, like you said, depression, grief, racism, right? Blended families. Mark Schultz will be on. Oh. He was adopted, and he's adopted a little girl, and. And so we want to tackle topics that matter to people because, you know, the only difference between us and our audience is we have the microphone. Right. We're all a pack of freaks trying to find our way home. (laughs) And just because God has given us. There's a a tweet for you. Yeah. And just because God has given us a gift that uh, draws attention. We need to be careful to use that gift to turn that attention to Jesus. Mm hmm. And so, um, but we're no different than anybody else. We've got bills to pay, kids to raise, doctors to visit, uh, funeral homes. Uh, I just buried an uncle last week. I mean, we're all, we're all on the same path. We're all, all of us bleed red and we all have the thumbprint of God on our hearts. That's why we keep trying to get back to him. And he must have been wonderful because we wouldn't want. Why would be we be wanting to get back to someone who was horrible? Right, right. Why would we be longing? There's something in our DNA that remembers that Eden, that remembers walking with him in the cool of the day. That's an interesting thought. We do have this underlying, every human being has this underlying feeling that something's missing. Yes. That something's and missing. there was a better day. And the thing is, you don't miss what you've never known. Mm. I don't miss being married. I've never been married. I don't miss having children. I've never had a child. You don't miss what you, I mean, you might long for some, you know, a woman who's never had a child probably would miss that. Yes. That, that may not be a good analogy, but I'm just saying there's something about God even though they tell us he's mad at us sometimes, even though when preachers describe him, he's, he can sound so awful, but I don't believe them. I believe he is exactly like Jesus. And Jesus is God in my 
in my mind and and in my belief system and he was the perfect man god he because he loved freaks he loved the broken the woman at the well the woman caught in the act of adultery the the blind man sitting by the side of the road uh, the lepers he was always showing mercy to the broken he touched lepers when you shouldn't touch them he elevated women when it was unheard of he was always Oh, he was amazing. If, if it wasn't God, I'd want to be just like him. This is an interesting format, this this dinner conversations, Mark. Your guests open up about some very intimate topics. Why do you think they open up so freely on, on this show? Because they're used to opening up. You know, all you got to do is dig them a little. And at, plus, everybody loves talking about themselves. Right. Mm, yeah. The best thing to do in a conversation when you want to, when you're meeting someone for the first time is ask them who they are, where they come from, what are they, and you'll learn a lot. And um, I think they feel safe. We, we record these at Shelly Breen's home of Point of Grace. That's our set. She has a beautiful kitchen and we bring in delicious food. And there's a lot of conversation going before the conversation gets started, which is what really why I want it to evolve and also that the conversation will continue when we're done with the people who watch it that the conversations will continue we hope that it will spark conversations around dinner tables and that people will really put down their phones and look each other's in the look each other in the eye and talk you said that the reason that they open up so freely is because you just talk to them you ask them you let them, you give them the freedom to talk about themselves. Almost like there's no agenda. It really does. This this dinner conversation show really does have a feel of you're sitting, you're almost looking in at at, at a couple friends eating lunch and just having a having a a good old time. Right. Well, we all are friends, which is the good. The first season has been that. You know, our <clears throat> we ask first of all, we don't know what we're doing, so we're learning. And it's easier to learn with people you already know a little and you're not afraid of them. And you're not, you know, you're already nervous about all these cameras. You're ner- nervous about starting something new, not nervous, but it's, you know, you're finding your way. And so we thought, fortunately, our friends are well known and also they have something to say or they wouldn't be well known in Christian music. You know, they, it's not just that can you sing? You got to be able to do something between the songs. You and you and Andrew Greer, Greer really pull out some funny, serious, and 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 vulnerable moments in your guest. Is it? Do you think it's important for Christians in general to be this transparent? Oh, it wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we all just showed our scars and quit trying to show our trophies? You don't help anybody by showing your trophies, but you help everybody by showing your scars because then they feel safe to show theirs. Because we've all got them. Listen, the only people we need to be afraid of are those that have their fig leaves so tightly bound they've forgotten the seeping wounds beneath the foliage. Mm. That's a line I wrote years ago when I was trying to act like I was Gloria Gaither. (laughs) But it really is. Haven't you met people that are so, their suit is so tight and their tie is so tight that you don't you don't really feel like you know them i have you know and maybe that's the suit and tie might be just a, a, an allegory for many people that you just you don't know them you know 
let me give you an example. I went to see, um, or you think you know them. That might this this example I'm about to give is not a, even a good one now that I think it through. But uh, Jerry Seinfeld, I went to see him. It was all humor. There, you leave, he tells one joke after another, and they're hysterical. But but you leave knowing nothing about Jerry Seinfeld. And then you go to see uh, Bill Cosby, and this is before his big fall, but when he told stories about his family. He didn't, he evidently didn't tell us everything, but <laughs> you felt when you left his concert, you knew his wife, Camille, you knew his kids, you know, and so yeah. I'm as broken as, there's no difference. I mean, we're all about, right. compared to Jesus my sin. Oh, listen, that's the reason I don't judge people. The measure with which the scriptures say the measure with which you judge is the measure with which you will be judged. So whatever you get on a toothpick, I'll judge you with it. Mark, that scares me, man. Because I don't like I to think mercy. about that verse. I don't like to think about that mercy. verse. That scares me, man. When I man. stand before God, I want mercy. And so I try to show mercy, you know, and I would show it to Bill Cosby if I ever met him. I'd show it to all these men that are falling and these women lately that have been abused that I never knew any of that was going on. I, oh, Lord. And they're falling like dominoes right now because the women are feeling empowered and they should. They should come forward and they should. But I, I just want to show mercy to all of them. You know, wherever mercy is, is needed, I want to be there to show it if I can. You mentioned you mentioned before the sh the show with Shonda Pierce and Ken Davis. That that was particularly insightful and really funny. Let's 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 take a second and listen in on 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 that conversation with you and Shonda and Ken uh, during uh, dinner conversations. Ken, how did you get into comedy? The doctor slapped me and said, it's a boy. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's been from the beginning. I was, uh, uh, high school was not a good time for me. It's interesting how we all have sort of a dark, dark, dark moment. moment that leads us to do this stuff. Oh. Um, I got beat up on a consistent basis in high school. I was a little skinny guy, about 110 pounds. I was... I went to church. Uh, I couldn't. I have no athletic ability. Hand-eye coordination of a carp kind of thing. Um, that's a fish. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, with lips. I love the fish. Yeah. Um, but um, humor in the beginning, it was there naturally. Yeah. Uh, I talk in uh, one of the books that I wrote about. You need to. You need to really mine your history to find out what God. Did from the very beginning. Mm. So in the beginning, I used it to keep from getting hurt. Wow. Laughter yes, could sir. keep people off of me. Wow, isn't that the truth? And then I used it to ingratiate myself with my classmates and stuff. Exactly. Comedy gives us a chance to be real in front of people. Mm -hmm. it, just doing joke after joke mm. after joke to make people laugh is, is entertainment, and that's fine. Right. But it leaves having people go, man, I wish I were them. When in reality, people don't wish they were us. I know. At all. <laughs> I, I but they wish they knew a God. I wish I wasn't me. So there they you go. wish they knew a God that could handle people yes. like us. Yeah. Yes. Someone yeah. defined humor this way. 
a gentle way to acknowledge human frailty. Hmm. A way of saying, I'm not okay, you're not okay, but that's okay. That's okay. And then to be able to say to the audience, here's why. Yeah. Yeah. So let's sit back and laugh at ourselves. One of the greatest problems that we have in our society now is it's a humorless society. Hmm. Everybody's offended by everything. Comedy is, is obviously important in your life, Mark, and it, it's clear, especially listening to Shonda and Ken, that much of comedy comes from a dark, painful place sometimes. Where does your comedy stem from? Well, mine came by accident, I think. I, I mean, when I was young, I, I vaguely remember my youngest memories are following my brother around town. My brother was two and a half years older than me. And he would go on modeling gigs in Houston. He was beautiful. I mean, my brother was always a so, such a handsome child. And he and I would and I would have all these beautiful kids around me because I was little and and I had to go with him because Mama, you know, would hold my hand and I'd tag along. And I could make those kids laugh. I remember that. I remember that I could. I, I, somehow they thought I was funny, and that made me feel good. I remember that. And then uh, in college, in high school, I was a class clown. I was actually, there's a picture of me in my high school yearbook. I was given the man of a thousand faces. And there's pictures from the year of me making all these faces and stuff. So I always enjoyed making people laugh. Never thought I'd do it for a living. Never intended to do it for a living. I went to college finally. And... uh, and uh, had fun in college, you know, at Liberty Baptist College and met Rick and Mick Vignell and other fun people. My brother went there and and um, and and then the Lord called me to the ministry while I was there. I, I was studying to be a businessman. I wanted a business degree and the Lord called me to the music ministry. So I started traveling and singing with this evangelist. And then we were in a van wreck. And, and here, before I tell you that, we, we would, you know, we'd, he'd preach, I'd sing. Uh, this guy named David played the piano. Another guy named Dick was our driver who drove the van for us. We were a college team, right? Well, we had an accident. And uh, I would, but, but oh, oh, I was going to tell you this before uh, we had the accident. After church, you know how you always go out and eat after church? You know, and, mm-hmm. you, and, you, and you sit around and tell stories. Well, I would tell these stories and ended up telling on stage eventually about Miss Barth, about being a hyperactive kid, and about, you know, I just told my life because everybody would ask you where you come from, what do you, you know. Well, uh, after we had this accident where the preacher was in a coma, in fact, it's one of my stories. You probably can Google it. It's called Pivot on Your Good Foot. But it's a whole long story. We had this wreck in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, and that broke up our team. So I started traveling and singing in churches. Well, I had to do something while the little old man in the back of the church would change the soundtracks. See, between the songs. Mm -hmm. And when you have a hundred dead Baptists looking at you, (laughs) the silence between songs can be deafening. And a little intimidating. So I would nervously talk between songs and tell those same stories that I would tell, you know, about, you know, I used to tell after church. Well, the church would be dying laughing. And that's how I knew they were listening. Because Baptists back then, independent fundamental Baptists, would not clap because that would be giving glory to men. 
Mm-hmm. They wouldn't shout, praise the Lord, or anything like that, because they're afraid someone might think they're doing it in another language. <laughs> but they would laugh. And that's how I knew they were listening. And so I thought, okay. And I enjoyed that. I loved I, I would sing the first song every church that would have me. The first, I'd always start with a song. I still do. And and I usually it was, in this very room, there's quite enough love for one like me. Just a real slow, sweet, almost boring song. Yeah. And it'd be Sunday morning. And then they, and these people, and they didn't know who I was from Adam. And, the, and, 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 and they would be sitting there thinking to the song, well, his voice is okay. I could see it on their faces. But dear Lord, this is going to be a long 15 minutes. Right? <laughs> yeah. And then, so I'd bore him into a stupor, and then I'd start talking about my life. And so it was such a, the humor was such a shock and relief that they laughed even harder. Because they didn't know it was coming. Mm. Which was even actually more fun than now. Now they know it's coming. Over at dinner-conversations.com, correct? Right. Dinner-conversations.com. Um, you can go back and listen to conversations. We can go back and listen to conversations with Anita Renfro, uh, Patsy Claremont, uh, Lee Denise and Shelly from Point of Grace, Sandy Patty, Shonda, as we talked, and Ken Davis. Uh, who can we expect to see in uh, future episodes? Well, Mark Schultz is coming up. Russ Taft. We're doing a Christmas episode that will be coming out, uh, which will be fun. It'll be music and Christmas stories and stuff. That'll be more lighthearted than the heavy stuff we normally tackle. And uh, I don't know. It'd be nice if people would offer suggestions. Uh, I think it would be interesting to interview people who aren't famous but just have a great story, you know? Uh, that would relate to a lot of people. It does, it, you know, the first uh, season, it's good to bring in names where we can build an audience. But once we have a good audience, it'll be great to, to reach out and meet the people who you may be even watching the show, but have a story. Everybody has a story, you know? And it's just sad that we don't all get to hear them. So that's, uh, that is Mark Lowry's official call to go over to dinner-conversations.com and leave a recommendation for the people you want to see uh, Mark and Andrew Greer talk to over at dinner-conversations.com. Let them know who you want to see in in, uh, season two of Dinner Conversations. The the show is connected with Project Beautiful, Mark. Uh, Tell us about Project Beautiful and why it's so important to you. Well, it's, I had never heard of them because actually I'd, I'd heard of sex trafficking from a distance, you know, every now and then it, I'd hear a little whiff of it on the news or whatever. But Project Beautiful, what I love about this ministry is they intersect at the airports, at the train terminals, at the point of connection and and stuck get the trafficker arrested and save the young ladies before they're ever trafficked. So in other words, it's not like they go in and catch them after, you know, years of being trafficked and, and deliver you know, and deliver these girls because then the girls have 30 years of therapy to get over it. What they're doing, and they've already saved 12,000 young women, men who have, were about to be trafficked, 
but before they were trafficked, 12,000 of them. And then what they do, they educate them. Because see, why these young men and women are following these traffickers is a promise of jobs. But they come from villages, they're ignorant, they're uneducated, they speak uh, even languages that no one else speaks. I mean, it's amazing how many languages are I didn't know the word for it. They're so small, and just in their tribal community, they speak it. And these traffickers come in and offer them jobs, get, and then before you know it, they're in, in, into a, a traffic situation. So Project Beautiful is doing a great job to intervene before they're trafficked. That's why it's so important. Sex trafficking is more rampant than we even know, and we're sitting here talking about it. I know that I'm finding that out. I'm based out of Cincinnati, Ohio, and this Uh 75, Interstate 75, Interstate 71 and 65 and all the way from from Michigan down to down to Florida is uh, is just a a a direct access to sex trafficking. And Uh and since our, our area has just been hit with it hard and you would not believe the 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 stories of 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 young girls that have been like you said promised jobs um promised jobs and they are and now they're locked in a hotel room for the evilest of deeds mark and so this work this work that they are doing is is among the most righteous of works there are uh amen for getting them involved uh uh and getting them involved in promoting promoting their cause and Nancy, who was a friend of Brenda's, spoke up and said, well, I don't believe in God. And I vote the opposite of you. I didn't care how she voted. All I heard was, I don't believe in God. I got so excited. I'd never had one in my home before. I went around and locked all the doors. I said, you're going to be here a while. We had a wonderful time. I, I started to explain. I said, you know what? I would be an atheist too if, if I had that much faith. It takes a lot of faith to believe all the order around us evolved from some gaseous belch in the universe six billion years ago. You know, order never comes from chaos unless somebody puts it together. All the order in the universe. You know, if I took my watch apart, my Timex Indiglow, I love my watch. I was up all night looking at that watch. But every 15 minutes I was checking it last night. But what if I took it off my arm and took it totally apart and stuck the pieces in the sack and and then I shook the sack for six billion years? What if after six billion years, what would be the chances of me pulling out a watch? that's ticking and on time. I don't even have enough faith for that. I certainly don't have enough faith to think that this complicated universe around us, and even in our bodies, DNA, they just in the last few years discovered DNA. I've had it all along. (laughs) And look at your thumbprint. Everybody look at your thumbprint right now. Did you know that's an original? You are thumbbody. There ain't another one like you in the world. I am cynical and I question God 
in my faith a lot. It's through that cynicism, though, and through that questioning that my faith is strengthened. It is good to weigh out your heart before the Lord, Patsy Claremont reminded us. Yeah. I think that's a scripture, of course. And um, I think it's interesting to call yourself a recovering atheist. I, I think that a friend of mine who was a believer became an atheist, and it's stunning to me that you could have known the Lord and then believe he doesn't exist. But um, I also believe that a baby can't be argued out of the womb. Right. When someone has decided they don't believe, no amount of arguing will cause them to believe. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. We can, we can love them. We can tell them what Jesus means to us but we can't open their eyes. It's just not possible. And uh, I try to tell my mother that uh, she witnessed. To, I have an aunt who is an, a non-believer and she witnessed to her my whole life. And finally I said, mama, she could lead you to Jesus. Shut up. <laughs> just love her. Love her all the way to hell if you have to. But love her. I mean, she knows the gospel. I mean, lighten up on it. And also, I think if I was Jesus, I'd want her to back off. I mean, I'm embarrassed when someone pushes me on someone. You know, I mean, if they don't want to know me, don't harass them. Because all that's going to do is make them really not want to get to know me. If, it, if, if, if getting to know me is going to turn them into someone like you... They may not want to get to know me or they or they feel like they have to be that way in order to be a Christian. Like you said, well, if I become a Christian, that means I got to go around and talk to people in the, in the same way they're talking to people. And, yeah. and they don't even give 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 them a give God a chance to work in their lives. Um, you know what? I'm going to keep loving people and let God birth the babies. Amen. Amen. You know, I came to I came to faith, Mark, in a very logical very reasonable process. All the emotion came later and it certainly came, but I came into a, I came to faith, uh, faith in God in a very, very logical, methodical, reasonable process. So I, hmm. yeah, absolutely. How did you come to believe in Jesus Christ? Well, I was raised in it. First of all, um, I mean, there was never a time when it wasn't, it was just, I don't, I don't know really a time when I didn't believe. I mean, I heard mom and dad talk about it. All my life and I loved Jesus really the second I heard his name best I can remember but then on June 5th 1973 at church campus when I threw a mistake in the ground and said I'm gonna choose to believe this for the rest of my life and it really is a choice for me I've seen nothing I I am I've had to walk by faith the Pentecostals have hogged all the miracles so I didn't get to any <laughs> I've seen nothing I have no proof any of this is true I consider myself a Christian agnostic. I believe a lot, but I know nothing. But believing has has been enough. And even Jesus said that, you know, because I've been hanging around Pentecostals my whole life. Vestal Goodman, Dottie Rambo, they had angels over for lunch on a regular basis. <laughs> and I've seen nothing. But I was reading one day about old Thomas who got the moniker, you know, Doubting Thomas, just because Jesus was killed on Friday and Thomas slept in on Sunday when Jesus showed up. And so he missed seeing him. 
And he said, unless I stick my fingers in his hands, I won't believe Thomas said that. And so Jesus, being the Jesus that I love, showed up for the doubter, Thomas. Uh, he always does. And he said, he, and get this. Jesus had just told Mary, don't touch me. I haven't ascended to my father. But he told Thomas, go ahead. If you need to, go ahead, stick your fingers in the holes of my hands. But Thomas saw Jesus, and he fell on his knees and said, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus said, Thomas, you you believe because you have seen, but more blessed are they who have not seen and yet believe. And I couldn't wait to let Dottie and Vestal know that I am the more blessed one because I have seen nothing. But I believe as much as they ever could. You know, you made a point. You said that you chose to believe. Correct. You chose to believe. And that's, I still do. That, and that's, some, that's a choice that we make. And isn't it beautiful that God loves us enough to give us a choice? That he right. set up this world not to force us to love him, Mark. Not to, yeah. not to strong arm us and to love him. Well, it him wouldn't be love if it was forced. Isn't that so true, that's man? That's love. That's power. Right. Right. Isn't God, that so and, true? And God laid down his power. Listen, Jesus laid down his power. When God came to earth through, through the Lord Jesus, he set aside his power, his omniscience, his ability to know everything. I mean, Jesus had to. He, I'm sure he walked in the room and said, have you guys seen Peter? Mm. You know, and, and I believe he grew in the knowledge of who he was. I don't believe when he, my dad believes he knew who he was when he was a baby. I said, well, then he was faking those diaper changes. <laughs> you know, I believe that uh, he fulfilled every prophecy. So that w would have been easy as he studied the Torah. And then I'm sure his mother talked to him about the night the angel showed up. And, um, and I believe the father revealed it just like the father reveals stuff to us. I mean, Jesus was our example. We can get information from the Father just like Jesus did because Jesus has made a way to the Father. Even as a Christian now, uh, from the time that you gave your life, you said you grew up a Christian, but you, there was a time that you, you put your stake in the ground and you chose to believe. Oh, there have been many times, uh, but that was the first. That was the one that I would always say when, when they would ask, of course, in the Baptist world, when were you born again? Well, that was my day, June 5th, 1973. But I really believe now, looking back, I have loved him since the day Mama told me his name. Because really, just like this new song I wrote, what's not to love? If you really read the red part of the Bible and you get away from everybody's opinion of him and just look at who he loved, look at who he he was kind to, children, look at uh, who adored him, peasants. The woman with the issue of blood is one of my favorite stories. I mean, here she is. She's ostracized to a camp outside of town because she can't. She's unclean. She has a menstrual cycle that will not dry up. And the doctors have ple have bled her dry, not only physically, but financially. And she hears Jesus is in town. So she has to get in a disguise. She can't be seen in town. And she gets up next and jesus at this time was a rock star everybody was around him wanting to touch him and be around him and she sneaks through she touches the hem of his garment power leaves him her faith 
pulls it out of him and he stops and says who touched me and that'd be like elvis walking through you know uh, uh, uh crowds uh, and, and saying who touched me well everybody's touching you but and they said they told him they said lord everybody's touching you he said no listen he turned around and she was scared to death i guarantee you she knew she's about to get busted but you know what jesus did he did something he never did anywhere else in the bible he looked at her and he called her daughter. He elevated her above everyone there. Mm. Your faith has made you. He, he tur- it's just like he turned around and, and he never called anyone else daughter. I think that's special. And that's what he, every time he turned around, he was making somebody feel better about themselves and about life and about uh, the fact that we can be redeemed. We don't have to stay in this state of sickness. And, and I don't mean physically, I mean spiritually, I mean depression. And, 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 I, and, I, and I say depression and I stop myself because also there's medication for that. And I believe God's provided that. Absolutely. You know, this whole thing about, you know, next time one says you need to have more faith before you take that. Tell them to take off their glasses and drive home. Right. As old Shonda Pierce loves to say. (laughs) Absolutely. I think we just heard that before. Have you ever have you ever had a time, Mark, where you you questioned your faith or the existence of God since you became a Christian? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, recently, I mean, when I see. You know, when you see people you think that really do love the same Jesus you do, and all of a sudden one day they say there's no God, that will make you stop and go, what? Uh, you know, and so that, but it didn't stop me long. I mean, mm. I have too many things I can look back on where he was there for me. And um, in the presence of the Lord, I can remember, you know, I, can, I try to catalog those so I don't forget. Because I do forget quickly. You know that, that, that old hymn, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy, thy courts above. Well, I do believe that. I believe the Lord has, has sealed us. And it doesn't matter if our faith wavers. And it doesn't matter even if we quit believing in him. He still believes in us. And he's and, still there. Yes, he's there. And, you know, he's very quiet, though. You know, he doesn't speak audibly much. But I think he sometimes speaks louder than that, and it's inside our spirits. You know, Mark, you brought up something before that I'd like to explore if if we could. I've never seen a miracle in the way that the Bible shows miracles. I've never seen a man's hand go from shriveled up to... Uh, to whole again. I've right. never, and, and I hear these stories and I, I think there's a, there's a certain, uh, there's some denominations that those stories are, are more prevalent, but I'll be honest with you, man. I've never seen it. I mean, I've got, I've got a story about my daughter that I tell that, uh, that is a, that is miracle-ish, I guess you would say, but it's not the overt type of miracles that you, that you hear other Christians talk about or that you even read in the Bible. Have you ever had an experience like that? Never. I, I mean, that I, I struggle with that, man. Here, here's the deal, though. Why is seeing so important? 
Hmm. I, I, that just came into my mind. I don't. I've never thought of this before. But why is why is I mean that we walk not by what not by sight? The scriptures say we walk by faith. When did seeing become so important? Is I guess it's because we trust it so much here on earth. You know, but there are things I have sensed like, okay, I'll give you an example. Last night, I'm on the road with the Gaither Christmas tour, Gaither vocal band. Last night, I did my my piece and my set. And then I went to the bus just, you know, watch TV. And I thought I'll hear them tomorrow night, you know, because I'm here. I'm going to hear them more than once. And so but I walked in at the end of their set and I sensed immediately the presence of the Lord. And I didn't even know what was going on yet. I know it was different when I walked out than when I walked back in and Adam was testifying and then uh, they were singing that song chain breaker, which evidently I, I don't know it that well, but evidently God must be all over that song. But but I went I left one crowd and I came back to another and a different spirit. I mean, it, it, I don't know if, if it's my imagination, if it's my imagination, just let me continue to imagine because I love believing in God. I love believing there is... I love that, that I have someone to thank. An atheist has no one to thank. And so that's why I can't be an atheist. As we, as we wrap up here, Mark, what would you say to that person that is right on faith's edge, making that choice to believe or not to believe in God? I hope the best for you because I can't birth you. You know, I can tell you, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's what the scriptures say. And the scriptures also say that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes and that results in righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And there's no difference between the Jew or the Greek. The same Lord over all. Listen to this part. The same Lord over all is free unto all that will call upon him. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I believe right where you are, wherever you are, you can say, if Mark's telling me the truth, Lord Jesus, will you save me? And I bet you he does. I don't think we can say anything more than that. The project is called Dinner Conversations at dinner-conversations.com with Mark Lowry and Andrew Greer. Mark, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Hey, my pleasure. God bless you, brother. You too. Mark's website is marklowry.com. And check out Dinner Conversations with him and Andrew Greer at dinner-conversations.com. That's dinner-conversations.com. Mark's books, CDs, and DVDs are all available on Amazon.com. Go to onfaithsedge.com slash 92 for all the links related to today's show. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 92. If you'll be kind enough to use the Amazon link in today's show notes, it won't cost you a penny more, and we'll get a little bit of help to help us run the show. Well, that'll wrap up today's show. Thank you to Mark Lowry for being with us, and thank you for listening. You mean a lot to me. And you mean a lot to this show. Remember, God is real. He loves you. And so do I. God bless. Thank you for listening to On Faith's Edge. You can subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher Internet Radio, or your favorite podcast app on Android, Apple, or Windows devices. To reach out to Joe or leave comments about the show, visit onfaithsedge.com. 
You're important to us and we would love to hear from you. 